0: Tonight on Huckabee, Congresswoman Claudia Tenney calls for justice, author and philanthropist Genevieve Coutureau, Huck's hero Diane Hunt, and Grammy Award winner Jason Kraft. That's Trey Corley in the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer Keith Gilbert. And now, here's Mike Huckabee.
1: And welcome to the Huckabee Show. Now, do things look a little different for the start of our show? Yeah, well, there's a reason. Many of us are snowed in from getting to Nashville. My wife and I just moved from Florida back to Little Rock so we could be closer to our seven grandkids. Boy, did we ever pick a bad time to move from Florida. 20 inches of snow with temperatures at zero this week. I mean, we've been stuck in our house, unable to even get out of our driveway. And our little dogs, who are 15 and 14 years old, they're snubbing us. I mean, they're traumatized by weather like this after all those years in Florida. Well, it's been this way all week for much of America. Snowmageddon. And we're beginning to fully understand the implications of renewable energy in states like Texas, where the wind turbines froze and left millions without electricity. Now, that's got to be embarrassing for Texas. I mean, that's the state which produces more oil and gas and refines most of our oil, who built windmills that, well, we found out they just don't work in extreme cold. It's a doggone good thing that we are experiencing global warming. I mean, without all the heating of the earth from global warming, gosh, we might really be getting cold. Now, you remember, Puckskatani Phil saw his shadow just a few weeks ago So maybe we ought not to be that surprised that we have an extended winter. So you may wanna know just how cold is it? Well, the weather is about as cold as the shoulder Liz Cheney got when she tried to show up at a Trump rally. In fact, it's so cold that Adam Schiff was seen with his hands in his own pockets. Well, at least the unconstitutional nonsense of impeachment is over. What a waste of time and our tax dollars. I mean, if this is part of the Democrats' plan for unity, I think they're about as delusional as Mitt Romney thinking that he's the future of the Republican Party. The Democrats sought to get a president out of office after he was already out of office. No real evidence presented, no witnesses called, no due process and falsified evidence presented as fact. With a slick Hollywood produced movie, just a few of the sideshows of the second impeachment circus. But when Democrats decided that their presented case was so weak and hopeless, they then decided maybe we ought to call some witnesses. And the Republicans said, Sure, that sounds great. Why don't you call some witnesses? Because if you do, we've got a list of over 100, including Nancy Pelosi, that we'll call. Suddenly the Dems said, uh you know what we're done and just like that it was over must have been awkward for democrats who so self righteously condemned donald trump's tone to see themselves on a big screen tv in the senate chamber screaming sometimes violent threats to anyone who ever even voted for donald trump now that president trump has been acquitted twice what if the democrats will find something productive to do Probably not. I mean, they've become a one-trick pony, but the trick's getting old, the pony is ready for the glue factory, and it's just not working anymore. Let's hope they chill out and work on some real issues for a change. And if they need any help chilling, I think we can help them by sending them some of this outrageous snow that's paralyzed much of the country. I've decided maybe Congress does its best work when they aren't working at all, just leaving the rest of us alone. (music) Representative Claudia Tenney just got sworn in in a return to the congressional district that she held until 2018. Her Democrat opponent demanded numerous recounts and refused to concede the election. Now, the same Democrats who had a hissy fit that Donald Trump wanted to make sure of the ballot integrity and accused him of delaying the certification. That same bunch of people slow walked her election certification for 91 days. She's a member of Congress who says the Emmy Award winning governor of her state ought to resign over what she says is likely criminal behavior and abuse of power. It all relates to Andrew Cuomo's mishandling of COVID during this now year long pandemic. It is my pleasure to welcome New York Congresswoman Claudia Tenney. Congresswoman, great to have you here. Um, if, uh, you won by 109 votes. I guess everybody's calling you landslide, but you know what? By golly, after all this patience, you pulled it off. Congratulations.
2: Thank you. Uh, you know, it was 12 votes and then 29 votes and then 109 votes. So I do feel like it is a landslide when you talk about the margins uh, in the beginning. but. We were up 28,400 votes and and change on election day. So that just tells you how much vote harvesting was going on uh, where we were, the Democrats uh, and Governor Cuomo's creation of an online database to harvest these votes and to get people with an unverified uh, portal that they could actually get absentee ballots and just about anyone could probably uh, order them. We're going to find that out maybe now with the governor potentially resigning, we're hoping. Uh, we or at least being removed from office, potentially, we'd like to find, get to the bottom of it. But we are grateful to the voters and the patients. I mean, so many people around the country have been wonderful in supporting us and sending us great uh, prayers and, and hope. Uh, and here we are, we finally got sworn in. So I'm really uh, grateful. It's been a long process. Well, it really has. You you, you know, the, the issue with uh,
1: Governor Cuomo is uh, heating up. And it's not just Republicans who are on his case. Uh, Ron Kim, who is a Democrat, a Democrat assemblyman in New York, apparently was threatened by Governor Cuomo this week, who uh, threatened to just basically ruin his life if he didn't drop all this. Is it beginning to be pretty clear that this Emmy award-winning governor um, who was out on a book tour congratulating himself for what a great job he's done, is finally having to face the truth that his decisions resulted in the deaths of over 16,000 nursing home patients?
2: This is par for the course for the governor. There's something that the governor has been through so many controversies. And now, finally, he's got Democrats standing up to him. And and I applaud Ron Kim, the assemblyman, who actually sat in front of me when I served in the assembly. He was a a new member. And uh, great for him to have the fortitude to hang in there, to work with Janice Dean, to make this happen. And actually to call the governor out because he accused, apparently today or so, he, he said the governor threatened him. But this is part of the bullying behavior of Andrew Cuomo. It's the way he has treated others. And if you look back at what, one of the things that really upset me about the governor's uh, reign over New York over the last 11 years is that he created for himself, I call an unconstitutional slush fund while he was in, in the, uh, while still in governor's office, but he used taxpayer money. And instead of, you know, the legislators getting what they call pork or member items, the governor kept that for himself and he used it to leverage, you know, the fealty to his kingdom for local governments and other members of, you know, other members of the assembly and the Senate. And I've been calling him out for that for years. I mean, it is is completely unconstitutional and an abuse of power for him to maintain that fund and to leverage it against other people who really don't have the kind of power he has. And so this is just more of the same of his you know, narcissistic personality disorder and him continuing to bully people. And all of a sudden, guess what? He's getting caught and he should uh, he should resign. I mean, I've been saying that for several weeks now, and um, especially the nursing home thing just finally got people to realize just how bad he has been.
1: Uh, When you got sworn in, Nancy Pelosi apparently blocked your own son from being able to attend the swearing in uh, because of COVID concerns. Do you think that was a legitimate concern? Uh, Do you take her word for that?
2: Well, she actually never cited COVID. It was never part of any of the protocol. And in fact, to this day, she's blaming the sergeant at arms, who she hires and who works for her. Uh, COVID was never part of it. In fact, security concerns were part of it for my son, who graduated from the Naval Academy. He commissioned as a Marine. He's now a captain and he's the company commander and runs a Marine station. So he's the guy tasked as a logistics officer. To manage all the COVID positive or COVID protocols, he's been tested as I have, and it had COVID was never raised. It was just something uh, where Nancy Pelosi, similar to Andrew Cuomo, she did it because she could, and it was a heartless gesture. I mean, every other uh, member who got sworn in on January third, and what looked like a veritable super spreader. If you see them all in the chamber, you know there was no one in the uh, House chamber, which is you know up at the top in the gallery where where visitors go. You know, everyone else got one family member, and I think she just did it because she can, and and that just tells you the kind of uh, kind of leader she is, and what people are, what we're up against as Republicans. You know, we it's it's really unfortunate that she did that.
1: So many people are moving out of New York. Uh, They're just tired of both uh, Bill De Blasio, the mayor of New York City, and Governor Cuomo. Their heavy-handed tactics, especially during uh, COVID, are are people in New York ever going to wake up and realize that electing the the left wing of the Democratic Party is destroying their state and the ability of businesses to to be able to function and live there and prosper there.
2: The people in New York, we're victims of what New York City, uh, the power that New York City has with so many people uh, to overwhelm our votes upstate New York. But I hope people start waking up and realizing what just what's happening. I mean, I just looked at, you know, not only the abuse of power with the, the shutdown and the lockdowns and the inability to have our children go to school, uh, it's really a problem here in New York State. And it's been for a long time, and the taxes and the regulations. And now something that's going to, that, I, that really has uh, gotten my attention is watching what has happened in Texas over the last few days has been really disastrous. New York has a very disastrous energy policy that was put in place by our Democrat-run state and led by Andrew Cuomo. Uh, we, if something as devastating as what's happening in Texas were to happen in New York now, it would be a disaster. Just In just nine years, New Yorkers are now going to have to reduce our dependency on fossil fuels, and that's all fossil fuels. And that's going to be a really difficult task when we do, you think about uh, the way that New York operates with our commerce, with our uh, energy, and the fact that we have some of the richest Shale uh, natural gas reserves, the Marcellus and Utica shale, right in my district and and near my district, and we're not allowed to touch them. And uh, the reducing emissions and uh, getting into energy independent is something that would would be and pro- providing a number of jobs would be a tremendous boon for New York. But Andrew Cuomo has a moratorium on, on natural gas drilling, and the Democrats bring it through, and they they make it happen every year, and they're really hurting businesses in upstate New York and the ability to have jobs. And that's why you're seeing. The largest outmigration of people than any other state. I hope people wake up and get out to vote. If my race teaches anybody anything, your vote does count, and we need to get out and vote. And if Republicans voted in the same percentage numbers as the Democrats do in New York City, uh, we could actually take back some statewide seats and, and really take back this this state from from what I can see is going to be a potential disaster for us down the road.
1: Well, I hope it happens. Congratulations again on the victory to get to Congress. And if we want to tell our audience, you can keep up with the Congresswoman on social media at Claudia Tenney and visit tenney.house.gov to sign up for her newsletter. And by the way, Keith Bilbrey, who is a little snowbound himself, is going to give us a sneak preview of the rest of the show right now.
0: Tonight, best selling author Genevieve Futuro and Huck's hero Diane Hyde, Plus, Grammy Award winner Jason Kraft. Lots more Huckabee is on the way.
1: Genevieve Peturo was a highly successful TV marketing executive, but a simple question from a little girl changed her life. Genevieve jumped off the corporate ladder and found her true life's calling by starting the Pajama Program. And since 2001, it's provided over 7 million good nights to underprivileged children. Her inspiring story is in her new book that you must read. It's called Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas how to transform your life, embrace the human connection and lead with meaning. My distinct pleasure to welcome Genevieve Paturo. Genevieve, first of all, you know, I'm thinking since everybody's working from home and all this uh, weather, maybe we should all have done the show in pajamas in tribute to what <laughs> you've been doing. <laughs> welcome, it's great to have you. Thank you for the invitation, Governor. Well, you know, this is uh, a wonderful organization that all got started because of a question a little girl asked. What was that question and what exactly happened?
3: Yes, yes. Um, two questions. The first one I heard in my heart, my heart asked me if this is the next 30 years of your life, is this enough? And that's what led me to really think about what I was doing. I was alone. I was single. I was in my late 30s and I realized I had missed having my own family, my children. So when I started reading in shelters to these children who had been through such trauma and I didn't know much about what they'd been through, it really, it grounded me. It just took me to this place of peace, just bonding with these children. And one night I followed where they were taking them into another room to go to sleep. And what I saw broke my heart. There were just futons and couches, two or three kids helped up onto a surface, some of them were crying, and lights out, and the staff were lovely, but it wasn't the bedtime that I had, that I remembered my mom giving the four of us kids, and they were sleeping in their pajamas, but I was watching, and I had this flashback of my mom and everything about bedtime, and of course, pajamas, so I asked if I could bring pajamas the next week. I brought pajamas the next week, I was so excited, I read to the children, and then I started. Handing them out one by one. One little girl just looked at me and she was so frightened. I tried to give her the pajamas just for her. And she just shook her head. No, no, no. And it it really took me back. I didn't know what what I'd, I'd done. I tried again gently. No, no, no. She was just shaking her head. She stepped off to the side to watch me give them to the rest of the children. And when the rest had them and went into that room to sleep, I went back over to her and tried gently again to have her feel them, how soft they would be. They were pink, like her top. And she whispered to me, what are pajamas?
1: What oh, are my. they? Genevieve, is so hard, I think, for some of us to understand that there are children growing up in America who mm-hmm. just have so little that the thought of a pair of pajamas is something utterly foreign to them. That must have been a shock for you and and a real awakening of sorts.
3: It it really, it really, it so broke my heart. And I I didn't want her to see me crying because I wanted to cry. I was I didn't know what to do. I didn't want her to think she she calls me you know, to cry. So I explained to this little girl who must have been about six and her her ponytails were lopsided and her clothes were soiled and she had shoes that were like size 10. I I know they just put on whatever they could to keep her warm and dry, but I had to explain pajamas to her. And then the staff helped her put them on. And before she turned to go into the room, she she gave me this little smile and that was it. My corporate life was over. and, And all I could think about was bringing these children pajamas.
1: Did you ever see that little girl again? I mean, that's been a long time ago.
3: You know, that was 20 years ago. And little did I know then that I should have been taking notes. I just thought this would be something I would do for a little while, you know, in my own time. I didn't realize I would be obsessed. I didn't realize people wanted to help. And so in within a couple of years, I did start keeping notes. And there are a couple, not her. I don't know what happened. That was such a fluid
1: population. Has there ever been a moment in these 20 years that you said, oh, boy, this is this is hard work. I've made so many sacrifices. I could have been probably a CEO by now. Maybe I should have stayed in the corporate world and and made a boatload of money. Do you ever have those thoughts?
3: Uh, <laughs> no, but I will tell you, and I, I'm pretty honest. I'm very honest in my book. It was hard. I, I really jumped, and mm. it, I just couldn't stop this obsession. And, you know, we had those phones that you couldn't bring to an office, but I did, you know, I, on my hip, and I would run into any corner to take a phone call from a shelter staff person asking, do you have any more pajamas, or from somebody who's leaving them on my doorstep, wants to help. So it was it was very difficult figuring it out. I had no idea how to start a nonprofit. I didn't even know I would. You know, a small article appeared in a, a national magazine, and it was this big, and Thousands and thousands of boxes came with pajamas and books and notes from people. And one note said, if you send us your 501c3, we'll send you a grant. I didn't know what a 501c3 was. And And that's how I learned.
1: What a great story. I mean, but you touch the hearts of so many people. And obviously your book is doing that. It's already become a number one seller on Amazon, the book Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas. When people read that book, is there something that you hope they just feel when they put it down and finish it?
3: Well, you know this these twenty years have been full of people inspiring me and feeling that little girl and it was it's magical, and I always say we have to share our stories, my goodness, in this last year, this has been the number one I think reality if we share our stories we understand more about each other and we're compassionate and when i told that story to people time and again about that little girl standing in front of me not knowing what pajamas were asking me that i felt like i was that little girl channeled to everyone i spoke to and they felt it and that's what i want people to understand it's about our our hearts and our compassion and listening to each other and trying to do something good outside of ourselves I'm trying to inspire more people who've inspired me, give it back, sort of, to let people know you can find your purpose. You can do something that fills you with joy and helps so many people at the same time.
1: It's a wonderful work that you're doing. And Genevieve, thank you. And right now, I don't know if Keith Bilberry is wearing his pajamas, but I do know this <laughs> he is telling us how we can keep up with Genevieve and the pajama program. Keith, tell us. Purpose, Passion, and Pajamas is available now. You can
0: find out more about it as well as the Pajama Program and how to book Genevieve to speak at your event by going to GenevievePeturo.com. Next, Mike answers your questions and Huck's hero Diane Height helps our veterans. Later, Christian Music's Jason Pratt visits Huckabee.
1: Welcome back to this snow day edition of Huckabee. Well, as I said earlier, I'm stuck here at home in Arkansas due to all the ice and snow that's been hitting the south this week. Keith Bilbury, he's stuck in his home south of Nashville as well. But somehow I hear that Trey Corley has been getting out a bit and even enjoying the cold and the snow in Nashville. Oh yeah. Now Trey, you even know what snow looked like before this week.
4: Gov, I'm a Missouri oh. boy, come on. I mean, look, I got some video for that. you. Check this out.
1: Look at that.
4: <laughs> I'm, I wasn't scared oh, wow. or anything.
1: <laughs> uh, the people behind you look pretty crazy.
4: That's a girly laugh. I'm sorry. Oh, man. It looks
1: like a bobsled <laughs> team is what it is yeah. out there. Wow. Don't
4: <laughs> get into it. I don't know.
1: <laughs> uh, I'm glad. I you know. It, it looks like I, a lot of fun, but I know that if I were to try to get out and sled... It'd be like skydiving without a parachute. I could only do Amen, one, time. one time. Wow. So, Keith, uh, what's it like out at your place?
0: Well, as you can see, it's, it's beautiful. We've got a lot of ice and snow. And, the, 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 of course, the road's pretty covered. But uh, in response to Trey and, and his showing off his sledding, oh, I want you to look at this. This is, this is me coming down the hill uh, on a sled and skiing. And, wow. I mean, look Ski. at that form. <laughs> yeah oh man man look at you wow look at that I... very natural did i, did I ever say i did oh. try it for the olympics huh? wow uh, well you
1: Where's know the, big, the trailer, like the <laughs> Jamaican bobsled team you actually look like you could uh you know be on the swiss bobsled team oh, like absolutely. a really <laughs> nope, i'll stick to music <laughs> wow i think you should well it's beautiful yeah. footage keith but i Thank know you. that uh, we've got some questions even in the midst of the ice and snow that have been coming in our my two cents at tbn.tv mailbox so if you want to uh, dig through the snow and find those questions we'll take them now
0: all oh, the mailman delivered as he faithfully does in the ice sleet snow whatever Well, Gayla Banks says, Governor Huckabee, I'm so glad to be receiving your daily newsletter. Your observations and views of current issues regarding Trump and the corrupt powers in government are greatly appreciated. I don't know if you addressed the lengthy video many of us have seen and sent on about Mike Lindell's reveal of voter fraud proof. I'm not aware of any responsible assessment of how accurate it is and what ramifications will happen, if any. The video sounded so compelling and convincing, which I find hard to understand it being dismissed. Thank you for being a beacon of light for Americans who have a
1: strong moral compass. Well, I appreciate your kind words. I have seen the video. Uh, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, compelling arguments there for uh, some voter irregularities. And, and the whole point has been... I can't tell whether or not there's been enough to would have swung the election the other way. I don't know whether there is uh, criminal activity, but there is enough question marks that have been placed on the election and how it was handled and how votes were tabulated, that it would be in everyone's best interest, including the Democrats' best interest, to do a full-scale review, audit, and investigation of exactly how the ballots were counted, accounted for, Were there any issues, whether people may have been voting uh, more than once? All of that we need to know. And I appreciate Mike Lindell for at least uh, trying to assemble a lot of that uh, uh, maybe video footage and question marks. And whether or not it's all true, I simply don't know. But it brings up enough questions that I think we all deserve some better answers than we have been getting from a lot of public officials.
0: Well, Sally Evans from Scott City, Kansas, now that the Democrats have made impeaching someone for non-criminal acts the new norm, do you think Republicans will or should impeach Biden-Harris if we take back Congress in 2022?
1: I I doubt they will for a couple of reasons. One, Republicans historically uh, just aren't that mean. I know some people will say, oh, yeah, they are. But we don't have a history of, of doing that kind of thing. We play tough. We play hard. We play to win. Uh, but quite frankly, Republicans rarely use the power of their offices uh, to just go after the other side for petty purposes. They may do it for policy. They may push through a court nominee. But I can't remember a time when Republicans just decided to go and impeach somebody. Um, even with Bill Clinton, it, they did an impeachment. There were Democrats who voted for it. But the bigger question was he had lied under oath, and that was obvious, something he even admitted to doing. I just doubt that'll happen. And quite frankly, I don't think it's good for the country if it were to become the new norm. I hope it doesn't.
0: Well, Joe Martin from Portland, Maine, there is a sense that family dynasties in politics can be either very good or very bad. What will you do to help make sure the next Arkansas governor stays on the good side of that fork?
1: Well, I think she's uh, probably on her way to to being on the good side. Of course, we're speaking about my daughter, Sarah, who has announced her run for governor of Arkansas, a job I once held, a job she knows fairly well, having grown up in the governor's mansion uh, when she was uh, much younger than she is now. Um, Whether it's a dynasty, don't really know that that would be the case. But I think she would come with a level of preparation, having lived in the the really realm of the governor's office of Arkansas in a way that very few people uh, would have that opportunity. So will I be supporting her? Oh, you can count on that. Will I be giving her advice? Even if she doesn't want it, of course I will. You bet I will. After the break,
0: we'll have Huck's hero, Diane Height, and Grammy Award winner, Jason Pratt. Coming up. Don't go
1: away. As Samaritan's Purse continues to bring life-giving help to families all over the globe, won't you help them to serve the hurting and serve them in faraway places? I want to encourage you to call or visit the Samaritan's Purse website and live by Jesus's words to do unto others by giving a generous gift to help those in need, whether physically or spiritually. Just as Jesus served many with a little that was blessed by God, So your gift of any amount can work wonders in his hands. They'll help heal the broken in our world. So please give that others may live. You may not know this, but there are more than 9 million U.S. veterans over the age of 65, and many of them still struggle with PTSD and depression. Our Hux Hero tonight has a simple goal, to honor and support these patriotic men and women for the sacrifices that they have made for our country through her organization called Forever Young Veterans.
2: I enlisted the
0: Army when I was 18 years old.
1: I went to the country poor
5: I'd never been anywhere in my life. I was a bombardier, navigator, gutter on a B-24.
0: And spent almost three and a half years on two different aircraft carriers.
6: We honor veterans uh, 65 and older, so that's World War II Korea Vietnam vets and men that served in between. We wanted to grant individual wishes for them but we also wanted to take them back to where they
1: fought. It's always special to, to be with other veterans, no matter what war you fought in or what your service involved, that you all pretty much have the same stories. I have nine Marine friends that I lost in Vietnam. that Their names are on the wall. One of the names on the wall behind us was my closest friend, Gary Thorpe. He was killed the 25th of February 1968 when an artillery round hit his bunker. He died instantly. But to see his name on the wall right over my shoulder was really, we didn't plan it, it was just something that just happened. And Diane calls it a a God moment.
0: These opportunities when these guys get together, on a trip especially,
5: that's when the vets would get together and talk. And Diane would try to encourage people in the beginning and after a while it wasn't so hard they began to share about their experiences in the military people that hadn't talked about that for years and i saw some healing and unburdening going on
6: it's such a satisfying feeling to know that we're making a difference in their lives Mm. We just see God work miracles after miracles. I can plan trips and raise money, but only God can bring healing in their lives.
0: I've really enjoyed the Forever Young Bets, getting together with the veterans and uh, getting to know them better.
1: Please welcome our Hux hero, the founder of Forever Young Veterans, Diane Hyde. Diane, I have two great regrets. Mm-hmm. One is that COVID and all this snow has kept us from being in the studio, because quite frankly, I'd like to give you a big hug for what you're doing. <laughs> I because wish you, you could. <laughs> what an amazing organization. Where did you get the vision for Forever Young Veterans?
6: Well, my father came back from the war And that's World War II and alcoholic. And I just watched him suffer over the years. And, you know, we suffered too. I didn't realize it until I got older that he was really suffering from PTSD. And I just wanted to make a difference in the lives of his comrades. I had such a heart and a passion for them, which I know came from having him as my father. I wasn't able to bring healing into his life because he died in 1982.
1: There's one of the stories that I I just was intrigued by. You helped reunite a World War II veteran by the name of K.T. Robbins with his French girlfriend from 75 (laughs) years ago. Tell us about that.
6: Well, that was a unique wish. Uh, He was going back with us for the 75th anniversary. And uh, we have a monthly meeting in Germantown, Tennessee, and we have about two 200 veterans that come. And and so he brought me this picture and he said, you know, since I'm going back to France, I have uh, this family that I'd like to locate. He, he said, you know, they befriended me during the war and he showed me this picture and it was of this beautiful, sexy girl. And I said, oh, T, I I was not born yesterday. I know you want to find her. You're not interested in the family. And he said, (laughs) well, I really don't think she's alive because it was 75 years ago. And he was 97, 98 at that time. And so I tried to find her. I wasn't very successful. But what ended up happening, we uh, had a French news station over in Paris that was doing a story on one of our veterans. And so they called me and I, we were giving them information about him. And before they got off the phone, I said, you know, I have this wish from one of our uh, Normandy vets that uh, is going back with us. He would like to find his uh girlfriend. Now, this is very unusual, because usually the guys were always advancing. But he was in the bakery uh, battalion. And so he happened to be in this little town for three months. And that's how he got to know her. And so this uh, reporter was like, oh, a love story. And they found her with one phone call. And Um, so we reunited them. Soon as he saw her, he started hugging her and kissing her and telling her he loved her. She was saying that she loved him. She was like, "Why did it take you so long to come back?" And she waited for him for 5 years before she married.
1: 75 years. And they still had the spark. Diane, that's a beautiful story. But all these stories <sighs> of what you're for these veterans is so powerful. How many people, how many of these veterans have you been able to take on the trips of honor, as you call them?
6: Uh, We've taken hundreds. Uh, We've been to Normandy eight times, and we've been to Belgium where the Battle of Bulge uh, took place eight times in England and Italy. And we've been to Washington, D.C. and Pearl Harbor. I mean, just so many times I've lost count. And probably one of the best parts about going on these trips is the time in the evening, because that's when we see God do a lot of healing in their lives, when they're able to sit and share with one another.
1: Well, we only have just a few seconds left, but how can people help you make it possible for these veterans to experience what you're helping them to do?
6: We need everyone to help us. If you love our veterans, please help us continue these, not only trips, but we grant individual wishes for them as well. And, and I've never taken a salary. I do this out of love for my dad and my uncle who fought in World War II in Korea. So we want you to be a part of, uh, of Forever Young Veterans. We need you.
1: Well, Diane, I owe you a hug. I will give it to you one of these days just to say thank you for what you're doing for these magnificent heroes. Now, if you want more information on Forever Young Veterans, I hope you'll look them up online at foreveryoungvets.org. Also on social media at Forever Young Vets. Now, before we go, all of us here at the Huckabee Show wanna send a very special happy birthday salute to Ned Boyd Kent of Washington, Indiana. On February 23rd, Ned, who is a World War II Army veteran, is gonna celebrate his 104th birthday. That's right, 104. He and his late wife of 71 years, Adeline, raised two wonderful sons, Jeff and Mark, who are Marine and Army veterans. By the way, we've got it on good authority that Ned is a fan of the Huckabee Show and he watches it every week. Well, Ned, you tell all your friends, family and grandkids that we are big fans of yours. And we hope you keep watching for at least another 20 more years. By the way, Keith is a big fan of Ned's as well. And he's also a big fan of what we have coming up next. And he's about to tell us why.
0: Up next, Grammy award-winning singer Jason Crab talks with Mike on Huckabee.
1: week legendary radio broadcaster Rush Limbaugh died after a long and valiant fight with lung cancer no one and i mean no one had a greater impact on radio in the past 50 years than rush limbaugh he single-handedly saved am radio by creating a type of talk radio that exploded into a cultural force his wit his wisdom his wonderful sense of humor made him unbelievably popular with patriots and conservatives and he was hated by people on the left who never understood that he never hated them back. He loved America, and America loved him. He will be missed, but certainly not forgotten. I also want to mention that an icon and bright light in the world of Christian music has passed away this week, known to fans simply as Carmen. The Gospel Hall of Famer died in Las Vegas earlier this week at the age of 65 we remember Carmen fondly as an early trendsetter in contemporary Christian music, and he too will be dearly missed. We turn now to a very special guest, Jason Crabb. He's won two Grammy Awards as a Christian music recording artist, and his new single, Just As I Am, is racing up the music charts, and Jason is joining me now to tell us about it. Welcome to the show from the Huckabee Theater, where I can't get to, Jason Crab. Jason, great to have you here.
5: It's good to be in your theater, your home away from home, but uh
1: you're stoned in. Well, I am, but uh, you know, we're so grateful you could be with us. But before we talk about the new song, I, I want to just ask you about Carmen, because oh. you and Carmen had a very special relationship. Tell us about it.
5: Well, I would have never dreamed um, you know, that I would have ever got to be friends with him because he impacted my life so much Uh, when I was a young man. I used to buy his videos, watch what he did. He was, I mean, he was a trendsetter. He would do, you know, these uh, videos to his music and his lyrics were just different than your normal songs. I mean, uh, every youth group went out to go see him. And so You know, I was a huge fan, and then I remember um, being at TBN, uh, meeting um, Carmen for the very first time. We became friends, we talked, did music, some music together, did some uh, shows together. We did just, what a great, great man. And uh, for sure, uh, we're gonna miss him. My goodness, we're gonna miss Mm -hmm. him.
1: Well, I wanna talk about something that's brand new, the song, Just As I Am, very timely about being loved by God like we are. Yeah. Jason, it yeah. seems like a lot of people have a hard time believing God loves them like they are. They feel like they gotta do something to get more presentable before God will love them. Tell us about this song and how it impacts people.
5: Well, that's one of the things that I love about the song. That is one of the lyrics is, you know, if I cannot earn your love by trying to measure up, Why do I think I'd lose your love in the lows? I love that lyric because it's a message that every Christian, every minister wants to get across to the world. You don't have to have it all together. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's got it all together except Jesus. And uh, if we could get it together or or, you know, get ourselves, I've heard people say this, Governor, I've heard them say, well, when I get my life healed up, or when I get fixed, or when I get in a better place, then I'm going to go to the, you know, then I'll go to church, you know, I don't want to, and I'm like, if you could do that, we wouldn't need Jesus, but we need Jesus.
1: Well, we truly do. You know, your career has been both with the Crab family, then as a solo artist, maybe the biggest thing that I've thought of with you is that you sang at Billy Graham's Final Crusade. What an incredible experience. What impact did that have uh, just on you spiritually and personally? I would
5: never forget that day. I tell people about it all the time. Sister Carol Simbla and Pastor Jim up there at the Brooklyn Tabernacle. I loved them so very much. Sister Carol called me and she said, hey, I know you're out on the road, but we have this opportunity to sing a song, you know, the song that you've recorded uh, with us, you know, called I'm Amazed at this event. And we'd love for you to just think about coming up. And I said, well, sure. And I said, well, what is the event? And they said, it's the last Billy Graham crusade in New York. And uh, I said, I don't even have to think about that. I said, I don't care what it is, I'll be there. And when he walked up on stage, his white hair blowing in the wind, and he preached the sermon. He said, "We will know the signs of the times, as compared to the days of Noah." I'll never forget that message that he preached. It was absolutely stunning message. Hundred and forty thousand people there gathered, in Brook or in New York, and um, I'll I'll never
1: forget that moment. Uh, Jason, NASCAR fans can also watch your face race by. Uh, Jason, and his record label. You sponsored number 23, Natalie Decker's car. Now, that's pretty cool. Are you a big NASCAR
5: fan? Oh, I love NASCAR. Uh, big fan now. I'm a real big fan. I'm a fan of Natalie Decker for sure. 20, I think she's 24 years old. Sweet little gal. She's no bigger than a whisper. And she here she is going to be driving this NASCAR, 200 mile an hour around, the, around track. And so... Uh, Red Street Records, uh, Jay DeMarcus, uh, Mark and Don, all those guys over there. Uh, they said we want to, um, sur- you know, we want you to come up for the unveiling of the car. I had no clue yeah. that they were going to put us on it. And uh, when they pulled the, you know, the little sheet off of that car, there was my <laughs> face on the hood. I said, I guess I better hang on. That's going to be fun right there. So I'm very excited, uh, you know, for this.
1: Well, we're excited for you. We'll be watching for Natalie Decker's uh, victory lap.
5: Yeah, I like that.
1: What a joy to have you here. I I just want to thank you for uh, being a part of our show. I know we've had to do it remotely, which is not exactly the way we normally uh, like to do everything. But, you know, sometimes you have to just deal with the hand you got in this case we deal with the snow that we've got. (laughs) Well, I want our viewers to get a lot more of your music, especially this new tune. So we're going to let Keith Bilbrey tell the folks at home how they can do that.
0: To get Jason Crab's Just As I Am, you can find it everywhere music is sold or streamed. For his concert schedule and more about his music projects, go to his website, jasoncrabb.com. After the break, Jason Crabb performs Just As I Am on Huckabee.
1: Here to perform with Trey Corley in the Music City Connection is Jason Crabb.
4: I've been trying to figure out what it means to be human. Flesh
5: and bone, spirit and the soul. If I cannot earn your love By trying to measure up Why do I think I'd lose it in the lows
4: Somehow You see through my heart And you wear heart of the Father, and grace like a mother, you'll never stop
5: loving me, just as I am. You've been fishing with my wandering, always knowing what I need, with a gentle hand, you show me where to go. Know the highs a bit of
4: more. Stand. Oh, you never stop loving me Just as I am With the heart of the Father in grace like a mother you never stop loving me Just
5: as I am I just want to say thank. want to say
4: thank you thank you thank you for loving me i just want to say thank